Amen. Not today, not ever. Praise the Lord. This morning I want us to, to look at what I've entitled, Hope in the Resurrection, Not the Election. Amen. We have all seen what's been going on in our country for months. And I believe that if we take our eyes and we focus them on the TV, and we focus them on everything that's being said, we wouldn't know where to go and what to do. If we focus on that, we would say that there's no hope. As we begin to look and see things going on in America that we've seen going on in other parts of the world, I believe I might would entitle it insanity. As we saw what happened uh, when the Congress began to count the votes and people want to begin to climb the walls and tear down the doors and go into our uh, Congress rooms and all those things because I believe for them there's no hope. Some of them was hoping for one thing and it come out something different. Some of you sitting in this room has hoped for one thing and something's come out different. And if we place our hope on earthly things, our hope will fail us every time. This morning I want us to open God's word and look at uh, what Peter was writing to a group of people who were going through some difficulties in their own life. They were going through some unrest in their countries as they were around. If you would take your Bibles and go ahead and open them to 1 Peter chapter 1. And I want us to spend uh, today and uh, a few more weeks looking at what Peter had to say. But today I believe that as believers, our hope is in the resurrection, not the election. And let's take a look at what Peter had to say as he was writing to this group. If you would please stand with me in honor of a reading of God's word in 1 Peter chapter 1. I'll be beginning in verse 1. Peter an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father by the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood. May grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are protected by the power of God through faith, for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now, for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy, inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. Father God, thank you for your word. 
Father, I pray today that you would help us, Lord, to hear from you, Father, what it is that this day, at this very hour, that you need to tell us. Father, I pray that all distractions would be removed and that, Father, your Holy Spirit would fall fresh on us and he would reveal and illuminate the Word. And, Father, for that to happen, Lord, I have to step aside. And, Father, I ask that you would just speak through me, your servant, your vessel. Father God, I just pray everything in the precious, most holy name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. And you may be seated. Peter is writing to this group of believers, and what we've got to understand as he is writing this, that originally when Jesus came to earth, and he lived, and he died, and he rose again, there was a a little bit of dispute going on as to, to what some believed in a resurrection and some not in a resurrection. But as a whole, the Roman people were really not that concerned at first with Christianity. Because they believed that Christianity was a sect of the Jewish faith. And that the Jewish faith was already going and there was no problems. But when it become apparent... That Christianity was not just a sect of the Jewish faith, but a whole new uh, beginning of someone else. Then the Roman government had to step in and they had to make some official decisions. And that began to cause problems. And through that, they began suffering. They were suffering through those times as persecution was coming upon them and they were going through that. And one theologian put it this way, that Peter knew about suffering. That in First Peter alone, he uses some term or reference to suffering 15 times. Eight of those were with different words to describe suffering. Peter wanted the believers to understand suffering but more than that I believe he wanted them to understand the hope of the resurrection and that's why I believe that when I was looking through this and reading that the Lord spoke to me because today we as believers are in need of some hope we understand and we will all profess as believers that we know Jesus Christ and everything is just fine. But deep down inside, I believe that there is some that need an extra scoop of hope. We understand what God says, but we need to be reminded through his word what this hope of the resurrection is. Because you see, the resurrection is what changed everything. And we begin here in 1 Peter when he talked about those who are residents and residing as aliens. He's not writing about the believers being little green men with antennas coming out of their head running around. What he's talking about is they have been scattered abroad, as he said, because of persecution they've been dispersed out. These that were scattered are known as the diaspora or the Jews who have been dispersed. They're no longer in Jerusalem. Believes he might be writing to some that are in Rome through this and as he's trying to get them to understand and he also wanted them to know and I want you to know today as believers we are aliens here on earth. This is not our home. We are a homebound group of people for the kingdom of God, a place known as heaven. And I don't know about you, but if you need hope, that's hope for me, knowing that this is not my home and that I'm not going to spend all of eternity right here. I enjoy my time that the Lord allows me to live here, but when he's ready for me to change the address, 
I'm ready to go. Amen. I hope you are too. And that is our hope. And we have that hope because of the resurrection, not because of the election. Because let me tell you, why do I say hope in the resurrection instead of the election? Because elections happen, elections come, and elections go. But the hope of the resurrection is eternal. It is forever and it is for always. It doesn't matter what's going on around this world. We as believers have a hope because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. First thing I want us to look at there at verse 3. We see the hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you have your outline there, you can fill that in. Hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Verse 3 said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. God and Father. We know that there's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. There is the Trinity, and we believe in the Trinity. But God is being displayed here as God of all his glory, who he is, and also Father. God was the Father of Jesus, even though Jesus is God. These are some of those things that we don't understand this side of earth. But he is also our Father as a believer. And we got that through Jesus Christ. And it was a great mercy. We did not deserve mercy and grace. There is nothing, church, not to burst your bubble, but there is nothing on this earth that you can do to deserve what God did for us. God created this world perfect. Sin entered in. God knew that he had to provide a perfect way. Old Testament talks about the sacrifice leading up to the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. And because of that hope, Christ died, but he rose from the grave. And it tells us there in verse 3 that mercy has caused us. He's talking to believers. So that's you here today, church. We have a living hope. Not a dead hope. Not something in a grave somewhere, but a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He was the first to be a permanent resurrection. We had an Adam that sin entered into the world. Jesus come as an Adam to remove that sin through the death of him. But it tells us there that we, through this resurrection of Jesus Christ, we obtain an inheritance. Any of you familiar with inheritance? I think we all know about that. Someone dies and they leave us inheritance. We, through the death of Jesus Christ, as those who freely choose to receive salvation and cleansing of blood through him, we receive an inheritance. We receive an inheritance greater than anything that can be left to us on this earth. But let me not just say that, but also we have an inheritance here on earth. We have a hope that is different from the world. There is a likeness of us because Holy Spirit comes in and he begins to shine through us. And we have a hope of an inheritance, not just here because we can have a great life here, but we have an inheritance in the kingdom of God. 
We become co-heirs, as the word says, with Jesus Christ to all that God has. And he fills us with that. But I love this there at verse 4. It says, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable. There's a lot of things that I'd like to inherit. But one day, everything that I inherit on this earth will be gone. It will either rust, break, be stolen, vanished, become outdated, become no good. I mean, we could go down the list of anything on this earth. But the inheritance that we gain is imperishable. Look over there at the end of 1 Peter chapter 1 at verse 24. And he's quoting from the Old Testament when he writes, For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls off. But the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which was preached to you. Flesh. Even our fleshly bodies are like grass. What do we know about the grass? It's here one moment, gone the next. Springtime, it looks beautiful all around. Go out there now, it's all dead. It comes and goes. The beautiful flowers that we look at and the the majesty of God portrayed through earthly things and flowers are here one day and gone the next. But our hope through the resurrection, our living hope and our inheritance will never pass away. Even as gold could be refined pure in fire, will eventually at some point be no good. It can perish as well. But we get that imperishable hope. One that never dies and never goes away. And then it says that it's undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Our hope in the resurrection church is undefiled. It is pure. It is perfect. And it is holy. We can try all that we want to on earth to be perfect, pure, and holy. But we will always fail. If we put our hope in the election and in our government, there is defilement all throughout our nation. All throughout our world. But there is no defilement in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Our hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But not only that, what about the hope through the refuge of the saints? It's our second thing. We have refuge. If you begin to watch like I did on TV over the last several weeks, you would begin to become and start wondering what on earth is happening. I don't know about you, but I never thought I'd see the day that the Capitol would be stormed like it was. We begin to wonder, is it going to stay there? Or is it going to travel and come around us? Is, I mean, if there's no security at the Capitol, what's going to happen in the rest of the world? We can begin to lose hope. We can begin to become scared. And we can begin to get our minds off of God and really wonder, as some do, and ask the question, God, are you there? Do you see what's happening? Yes, he does. Our God is alive. Our God is in control. I do want to tell you this this morning. Our God does not cause everything to happen. But he does allow things to happen. And he allows things to happen sometimes for those who ask. I mean our country for years has been stepping further and further away from God. 
And as you begin to do that, you begin to step out from underneath his umbrella of protection. I don't understand some of those, and I was reading some comments from some of my friends, and I, I really wish I could get my hand around some of those people that were up there storming the Capitol, acting like total idiots, and carrying banners about Jesus. Come on now. Put that down. That's not Jesus. And let me tell you what, God wasn't for any of that rioting. He wasn't for the Republicans. He's not for the Democrats. God is for God and for people to come to know His Son and have hope through resurrection. It's not the election. We can't focus on that. We've got to move beyond and focus on God. Yes, as citizens of the United States, we have a right and a responsibility to an election. We have a right and a responsibility to stand up for what we believe, but our focus has to be on the hope of the resurrection and not the election. But where does this refuge come from? If it can't be in the White House, if it can't be in the Capitol, where do we get our refuge from? Glad you asked, because Peter says that. Let's take a look right there at verse 5. Who are protected by the power of God... Through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last day. Our refuge comes from the power of God. And let me tell you, if you want hope and you want protection, you want it through the power of God because that's the greatest power there is. It comes out of the abundance of who God is. He has more power than anything else. God spoke and the world was created. It didn't say God had to go out there and get some dirt and spit in it and roll it up and begin to form some. God's power is so great that it just in the speaking. The power of God displayed through Jesus Christ when he was on that boat in the storm like they had never seen before. That scared to death professional fishermen of the sea. The storm was so bad but the power of God said be still and it stopped. You want protection. We have hope as believers through the protection of Jesus Christ through the power of God. And that comes, it said, through our faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last day. Let me tell you this right there. Let me read that verse 5 to you one more time. Who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last day. If you're not a born-again believer, I fear for you. I fear for this world who is not a born-again believer because they do not have the protection of the power of God because it comes through salvation. God doesn't charge us for salvation. He provides it freely. And in a world like today when we need hope and protection, that hope and protection and that refuge only comes through salvation and for God's people. He promises to protect. Now, i got to pause there just a moment. Does protection mean that life will always be easy? No. Does protection mean you won't have a bump down the road? No. Does protection mean that you won't get injured down the road? No. I have heard some people say through all that's been going on in our nation and all of the fear that's out there, they say it like this, and I don't know that they fully understand. 
I believe in God and he's going to protect me. And they just go around strutting. Yeah, he's going to protect us. But he doesn't promise that it's always going to be easy. And where on earth as a believer would we get the idea that just because we're a born again believer that God's going to protect everything from happening to us? Look at his own disciples of Jesus Christ. Most of them martyrs. And next as we're going to look here he goes on and he talks about pain. The group of people he's writing to has been ripped out of their own home country and led away to foreign pagan lands. They've been beaten. I mean, look at what happened to Jesus Christ. Do we really think we're any better than him? But we have a hope. And that's what gets us through. We have a hope of the resurrection, knowing that Jesus Christ is alive. We have hope through the refuge that God will protect us. He will walk through with us. He will get us through this. And thirdly, there is hope through the rejoicing of the distressed believers. Now that kind of sounds like a, if I got the right word here, contundrum, doesn't it? Rejoicing, distressed. I mean, come on, what's going on? We have a hope. Let's look there, beginning in verse 6. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. Alright, they're under distress. Where's the rejoicing coming from? Why do we want rejoicing? Three things, I believe, we see as we pick up there at verse 7. So that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even testified by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As a born-again believer, or as anyone else, you don't truly know what's down in here until the rubber hits the road. We can claim all kinds of wonderful things, but until the fire gets turned up just a little bit, we don't understand. And he's saying right here that you can have hope through the rejoicing, even though you're going through a trial, because the trials, the temptations, can prove of your faith. Many people claim to have faith in Jesus Christ and the second something happens in their life, they're done with God. They turn and they go the other way because God didn't get them through it. There's been many of people to sit in a church one day and all of a sudden a little strife break out or something happened to them and you never see them again. Do we understand what faith is, it's believing in something we don't see. And that's what he begins talking about next. He's, verse 8, he says, And though you've not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Trials can bring up what is inside of us. It can be a way to show where our faith really lies. Do we believe what we profess? Why is it... I just want to pose a question to you a moment. Why is it that 
America is now considered one of the greatest mission fields in the world. And we have all of the freedoms that we have. But you can go to China. You can go to foreign countries that people are persecuted and lose their life for their belief. And it is flourishing and booming like nothing else. Because trials and temptations, I believe, help you to value and show where it's really at. If you were to poll America today, well, let's go back a few years ago, and you were to poll America, the majority would say that they were Christians. Not so much today. But a majority of those that said they were Christians is that's just a cultural thing to do. We can rejoice because we have proof through our rejoicing, through our trials, where our faith stands. It builds us and it shows us. Sometimes we wonder, do I really have the faith? Well, where do you go when a trial hits? Do you go and open the newspaper and go to the psychics to try to find it out? Or do you turn to God's word? There's one uh, idea maybe that could help you. But Holy Spirit begins to speak and we begin to find this hope of the resurrection. And we begin to see God's protection. Even though we might get our knees a little scratched up, we can see the protection. And we have that hope that we can rejoice that even though we're going through trials, our faith can be shown even more. What a time for us to show faith. I don't believe there is a greater time in history than right now for the word of God and the hope of Jesus Christ and salvation to be spread than right now. People are scared. People are looking. People are trying to find out what's going on. There's no answers. believe that's the reason some of that was going on up at the Capitol building. All that I was told ain't happening. You're supposed to be helping. They don't know where to get their direction. The hope comes from Jesus. You get stability through that salvation. In verse 9 it says, Obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. Our salvation comes through faith. Faith in Jesus Christ. Why is it faith? Because not a one of you sitting here today has ever seen Jesus Christ. Not a one of you sitting here today was there when Jesus Christ was nailed on the cross. Not a one of us here today saw the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But we have faith in that. Why do we have faith? We have God's word and we have faith that it's true. We can stand on that because it's never been proven wrong. We have faith, and those of us who have the faith can rejoice because we've been through trials and difficulties and tribulations, and we've seen God work. We have faith, and it comes alive through what we're going through in this process right now in our lives because we can walk out the door and have hope. I'll be honest with you, if I didn't have the hope of my salvation and the hope and the resurrection after what I watched on TV the other night, those of you who were here Wednesday night, you wouldn't have seen me. I'd have been too scared to come out the door. But I have a hope. And you know, regardless of what God chooses to allow to happen to me, I have hope in the resurrection because if what we would call the worst thing could happen... My life get taken. I'll be waiting for you. 
at the foot of Jesus. And let me tell you what, I'll be experiencing the good life. Some don't call that hope. Well, I have hope because I know where I'm going. We have no hope in the world today because they don't know what's going on here with a perishable life. And I believe for many of them, they don't have a hope. They don't know what's going to happen after they die. That's eternity. Hope comes through the resurrection. Because Christ is resurrected, we have a living God. I have hope that I'm going to be able to be with him. I'm not going to die one day and go to heaven to a dead God. I'm going to be able to go and sing to the top of my lungs with those angels. Holy, holy, holy. Glory to the Lord God Almighty. We have hope through the resurrection. If you put your hope in the election, you've lost your hope. And I don't care which side you're on. I believe it's both sides have lost hope. After what they've seen going on since November. Is it all going to be better now? No. I believe we have some dark days in America ahead of us. But you know what I like about the dark days. It gives my God a greater opportunity to shine his light all the more. This morning as we come we have hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We have hope through the refuge of the saints. That's us. If you're a born again believer, that's who Peter's writing to. And we have hope through the rejoicing of the distressed believer. We're at the point right now, church, that we're the distressed believers. It's giving us an opportunity to experience God. You know, I love God. He loves to show up and to show off. Amen. And what an opportunity for us as individuals and as a nation to experience the mighty movement of God. There are many preachers and people around that believe strongly that this year we will see another great awakening as we've not seen in years and years. Because America and the world who don't have hope are looking for something and it's not where they've been looking. So as believers, let me just tell you this and warn you on this. You need to be ready because you're a light. And people's going to see a difference in you. Be ready to answer what the difference is. Because we're going to get that opportunity. One commentator I, I read put it this way. And I'll say this in closing. Believers are born for glory. Kept for glory. Prepared for glory. And enjoy the glory. We were born and created by God to bring glory and honor to Him. And as believers, He keeps us for that. He prepares us for that through trials and tribulations, strengthening us. And then one day, we're going to enjoy the ultimate glory. But I want to tell you, as believers, even in what's going on today, we can enjoy this very day, heaven on earth, and the glory of God, because... Hope is in the resurrection and not the election. May you bow your heads.